Greetings and salutations, sports fans nationwide. You have entered the Sports Opinion Log podcast. I'm your host, sports historian Lex Anderson. And this week was one of the most busiest weeks in sports history. You have the typical Black Monday in which NFL head coaches get relieved of their duties, such as the Atlanta Falcons getting rid of their head coach. But then we had some surprises. Pete Carroll out with the Seattle Seahawks. And then you have Bill Belichick, 24 seasons, seven Super Bowls with the New England Patriots. That's crazy. 24 seasons, seven Super Bowls. Him and Robert Kraft having their little press conference in which they agreed to mutually part ways. And I'm just going to say what I have to say. Uh, Well, also Nick Saban, the great Nick Saban retiring, calling it a career with Alabama. That's definitely a shocker. But first, let me address Bill Belichick. Number one, I am a New Yorker. And as a New Yorker, I represent the New York Yankees. NFL-wise, the Steelers, representing the Steel City here from New York City. But as a New Yorker, shout out to my sister Harpy's Fury. It's always about the Giants because the Jets are trash. Big blue now and forever. So I hate any and everything regarding New England and Boston in its totality. And I have no good words to share. I have no good words to say about Bill Belichick, a.k.a. Belichick. It amazes me how the media talking heads on all these talk shows pontificating about how he's the greatest coach in NFL history and the seven Super Bowls. So let's just ignore Spygate. Let's ignore Deflategate. Let's ignore former defensive players like Teddy Bruschi and Rodney Harrison, who during Bill's time there tested positive for You know, PEDs, steroids, HGH, right? We'll just act like none of that happened. We'll just act like Bill Belichick was never, ever truly able to recover from Tom Brady leaving to play in another league, NFC, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and help them win a Super Bowl. And in the process... The Buccaneers became the first team to win a Super Bowl with the Super Bowl being hosted in their city. But of course, even according to his own words, Tom Brady will always lose sleep that he lost to Eli Manning and the New York Giants in the Super Bowl when they were literally one game, one last game. One last win from achieving a perfect season. That would have made it 18-0. and 0. It ended up 17-1. and 1. The curse of Randy Moss <laughs> continued 
to haunt Tom Brady, especially in that game, because the Giants' defense was just relentless. And then you had the Eli Manning pass. That was that the receiver pinned to his helmet for the critical first down. And you had Plexigo Burris sealing the deal on, I believe that was the, what, 17-14 Super Bowl win for the Giants. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, I'm definitely glad that we had Eli Manning, who was able to keep Tom Brady from winning two Super Bowls. So we know Tom Brady's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Just the way Robert Kraft talked about how Bill Belichick is hopefully soon going to be in the Hall of Fame. And then Eli Manning, too, should be in the Hall of Fame. Belichick, in my opinion, was surly, rude. Let's talk about the draft. His inability to draft great offensive players. And what about that time in the draft where Belichick wasn't even at his laptop? He left the family dog at the laptop on draft night. And everybody had such a laugh on it on social media. Look at Bill Belichick's dog selecting the draft pick. And as usual with most people, when you give them absolute total power, it tends to corrupt. You can't be the general manager and the coach. You're bound to falter in one of those positions. And then, of course, you have all the talking heads who thought that Mac Jones was going to be the next big thing. And he only got progressively worse every season. So to Bill Belichick, I won't miss you, but I will say this much. I look forward to the New England Patriots once again falling and fading back into obscurity. Because just like when Jordan won six championships with the Bulls, two three-peats, the Bulls have never come close to being that exciting being that winning team, defining a culture, being rock stars. The same will now happen for the New England Patriots. You just can't win seven Super Bowls (laughs) within 24 seasons and think that when you get rid of the man who got you there, that you're going to find yourself back on top. However, I am happy that the New England Patriots did hire an African-American man, Gerard Mayo, who played with the Patriots from 2008 to 2015. Then he became their inside linebackers coach in 2019. And Gerard Mayo is the Patriots' first black head coach and now the league's youngest head coach that's great amazing stuff so you know Belichick did do his thing but 
let's be real. It was upheld by Tom Brady with his play, with his unselfish, uh, I I don't want to say a character trait, but, you know, Tom Brady would take big payroll cuts to keep the Patriots' offensive players with them. So, if anything, in my opinion, you know, Bill's fall is a result of him no longer having Tom Brady. Because let's be real. Like I just said, Belichick can't draft. What's the point? (laughs) What's the point? So then everybody's wondering, well, what team will he go to? What team will he go with? It doesn't matter. And we do have like, what, six to seven openings right now? Let me look those up real quick. I know we have off the top of my head, we have the Raiders. I don't know why we have the Raiders as if Antonio Pierce hasn't done a good job of holding that team down. Falcons, Chargers, that's three, and I know I got four more to go, so let's uh, check out that NFL tab and see, oh, Commanders, Washington Commanders, but while I look that up, let's also talk about, okay, give me these NFL teams. Give me these head coaching vacancies. Okay, back like I never left due to a um, unknown caller, which seems to knock the podcast out. So I have to once again redo my phone settings. But anyway, back to the openings, the various multiple NFL head coaching openings, Atlanta Falcons, Carolina Panthers, Las Vegas Raiders, Los Angeles Chargers, again, Seattle Seahawks, Tennessee Titans, and Washington Commanders. I don't know. Okay, so to me, the Washington Commanders have too much of a good thing. If Belichick is hired, make him a coach. Do not make him a general manager. Um, Let's see. So the Commanders have nearly $80 in cap space. Five picks in the top 100 of April's draft with a number two pick. But again, Belichick is bad at the draft, which is, again, we just need to make him a coach and that's it. Tennessee Titans. I don't know. Mike Vrabel, they they let him go. Would you really want to bring in the top of the tree, the coaching tree with Belichick? I'm like, he's good with defense. The Titans have always had decent and good defense. However, Seattle Seahawks. Moving on again from 72-year-old Pete Carroll. Interesting, interesting. I'm like, to me, the Seahawks have a total team, which would be great. He would just, again, being a defensive coach, he could improve their... 30th ranked defense. Chargers? No. Too negative. All that money that's been spent on Justin Herbert. 
they would have to reconfigure the whole thing with the team cap-wise. And the Chargers, again, they've lost... They lose so many games by seven points or less, it's honestly maddening. Again, back to what I was saying about the Las Vegas Raiders. In my opinion, it should be Antonio Pierce who should be given that position. Uh, We do have minority owner Tom Brady. Would he really want to be reunited with his former coach who would always have him taking pay cuts to keep the team in contention? It is a who-you-know world, you know, or as they like to say, the, the old boys network. They like to take care of each other. Maybe that'll happen. And then to me, the Atlanta Falcons. I honestly would not mind seeing him with the Atlanta Falcons. He gets to stay on the East Coast. The Falcons do have a good team, despite... uh. You know, their former head coach who deserved to get fired after having three consecutive seven and ten seasons. <laughs> of course, I will always stick up for the African-American man and say that the African-American man should be given more head coaching opportunities in the NFL. Yeah, so... I couldn't care less about his legacy and what he's leaving behind. He cheated. Spygate will never fully know how long he was recording, how long he was cheating. But I will end it with what he did during... Nearly a quarter of a century, 24 years, they went 266 and 121, made it to nine Super Bowls, won six, excuse me, I guess I have to correct myself, about seven, 17 division championships in 19 seasons, the man with the hoodie with the cutoff sleeves, (laughs) wow. I would like to say he won't be missed, but uh, clearly he will return in some way, shape, or form. But I will give props to another GOAT, and that would be Nick Saban. Calling it a career with Alabama. Some say it's because of the NIL deals. Hey, at least he knows when to step down. And sadly... Sadly, though, the fact that he lost to Michigan, the final play was, what, fourth and five, and they went with a quarterback draw? (laughs) Makes no sense. But either way, in Alabama, Nick Saban, six-time national champion, nine-time SEC champion, five-time SEC coach of the year, 206 wins to 29 Losses in his 17 seasons at Alabama. 124 NFL draft picks. Two-time AP coach of the year. It says here on front office sports, $120 million in pay. But I think he made 
close to, if not over 300 million. So someone needs to uh, <laughs> check their facts on that one. But also, let's take a quick look at the players who played in Alabama under Nick Saban, who made it to the NFL. Quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, Tua, Bryce Young, Mac Jones, running backs, Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Najee Harris from the Steelers, Jameer Gibbs, Mark Ingram, Eddie Lacy, Trent Richardson, wide receivers, Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, Jerry Judy, Calvin Ridley. And I'll also throw in on a quick sidebar, uh, Tiger Woods and Nike are parting ways after over 17 years, I believe. So... 2024 has brought a lot of changes, a lot of changes already into the world of sports. As I like to say, crazy, crazy, crazy stuff is going on. Hopefully it's for the better. So now I will move on to NFL wildcard weekend. It's going to be fun-filled. It's going to be exciting. The Steelers made it. And I will do my Week 18 recap, which you know what? Unfortunately, I was under the weather with the flu, and I think I failed to um, post my updated notes, actually. <sighs> I've got a lot of catching up to do, sadly. But yes, let's get into it. I got Saturday, we have the AFC wild card playoffs, Cleveland Browns at the Houston Texans at 4.30, and Miami Dolphins at Kansas City Chiefs for the 8 o'clock game. And the big news weather-wise about the Dolphins taking on the Chiefs, wind chills of below 30 degrees, that's going to be insane. I am really liking the Houston Texans, uh, Cleveland Browns, they do have that defense, which however is pretty bad on the road, they give up over 21 points a game, CJ Stroud will be playing, uh, Cleveland Browns, they do have the experienced veteran of Joe Flacco, but I believe he's thrown like around five plus interceptions the last three to four games. From what I recall, on Sunday, we will have the Pittsburgh Steelers at Buffalo. Again, weather being a factor. They're talking about winds blowing as high as 65 miles per hour. The Steelers, though, have a dual threat. At running back, sadly, T.J. Watt did suffer a strain of his his uh, knee, his MCL, so he will be out for a couple of weeks. He suffered the injury in the Steelers' 17-10 win over the Baltimore Ravens, and they were able to secure that playoff spot. 
So give me, uh, I'm going to go with Houston at home. I'm going to go with the Chiefs over the Dolphins because the Chiefs, despite not scoring a lot of points, their last eight, nine, ten, eleven, so yeah, their last five plus games, they're still dangerous. And let's face it, a Dolphins team in Kansas City, you're talking about a wind chill of negative 30. I don't think so. Of course, the game that everybody's going to be watching on NFC for the NFC wildcard on Sunday, Packers at Dallas Cowboys. Again, the Dallas Cowboys, perfect at home. I believe that's a 7-0, 8-0, but they've won 15-16 straight games at home at this point. Give me the Dallas Cowboys. And the last game of that Sunday will be the L.A. Rams taking on the Detroit Lions. And nothing beats a full circle game. And when I say full circle, I mean this. You have Sean McVay gave up on Jared Goff, shipped him out to Detroit, brought in the veteran Matthew Stafford, who got them to and won the Super Bowl. And now Jared Goff gets to potentially eliminate his former team. But like I've said before, the Rams are one of the hottest teams around. They are dangerous. Look for the Rams to upset, I guess. Yeah, upset based on records. Rams are 10-7. and seven, Lions are 12-5. and five. Look for the Rams to be my upset game eliminating the Detroit Lions. And I guess for Saturday, you could give me the Houston Texans. Again, the Cleveland Browns are 11 and 6. Texans 10 and 7. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with the Texans as my upset. And on Monday, team disarray, Philadelphia Eagles taking on Tampa Bay Buccaneers. People are going crazy already about the fact that AJ Brown has wiped away Everything relating to the Eagles on his social media. Oh, it is so tiring when athletes do this. Why don't these guys grow up? A.J. Brown, it initially looked like he suffered a devastating knee injury in that game against the Giants. But it looks like he will be playing. Give me the Eagles over Tampa Bay. Yeah, give me that for sure. And yeah, sadly, okay, so I will definitely have to go through my notes for the final of week 18. I'm going to kind of keep this podcast short and sweet because I think I have to sadly go back and add up all my wins and losses over the 18 weeks, which I have not done yet. But uh, I could definitely insert that when I do my podcast relating to NFL Wild Card Weekend, which will definitely drop on Tuesday. That's what I'm going for, most definitely. Whew. Okay, so here we go. Yeah, see, here we go. So now we're just going to segue into my Week 18 picks. Going with Saturday, I had I had the Steelers over Baltimore, which they did get the 17-10 win in a heavily rainy game. Lamar Jackson did not play that in that game, which is good, and the Steelers made the most of it. But again, sadly, T.J. Watt suffered a knee injury. 
which is nothing short of devastating to the Steelers' defense. I had went with the Houston Texans over the Indianapolis Colts, and C.J. Stroud went into enemy territory and got the 23-19 win and has shown that he is truly and most definitely a superstar. I'm like, it gets no bigger than that, honestly. C.J. Stroud just went in there as a rookie Time to plan dinner. and had... 264 yards with two touchdowns, zero interceptions. And of course, I've said it before, Gardner Minshew, journeyman quarterback. He held down the Colts, but, you know, there was nothing else left to expect from that team. On to the Sunday games. I had Tampa Bay over the Panthers, which they got the 9-0 final score victory. That's about as pretty pathetic as a loss as the Carolina Panthers have suffered in what has been truly a dismal season. But on the plus side, the Buccaneers are back in the playoffs for the fourth straight season. And who knows, can uh, Baker Mayfield, you know, succeed Tom Brady and lead? The Buccaneers back to the Super Bowl? Uh, I'm just joking. The answer is no. (laughs) Excuse me. I had picked for the Cleveland Browns to beat the Cincinnati Bengals, but they lost 31-14 final score. Detroit over the Minnesota Vikings 30-20. I had went with the Lions. I had picked for the New England Patriots to at least end the season beating the Jets, but they wound up losing 17-13 final score. And the Jets ended their 15-game losing streak versus New England. And what made this game even crazier is that it was snowing. And, you know, when it snows in New England, they say it looks like a snow globe. So they also have said that this was the Patriots' first loss in a snow globe game in which it snows there. Uh, Brees Hall, career high, 178 yards, and the late touchdown that put the game away. Yeah, that's pretty uh, devastating. So the Jets get their first win over the Patriots since an overtime win on December 27th, 2015. It's also the first Jets win in New England since the 2010 AFC Divisional Playoff Round. And it was New York's first regular season road win against the Patriots since 2008. And of course, to come come full circle with Coach Belichick no longer being their coach, it was their 4-13 record that was the worst in his 29-year NFL coaching career. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. All right, well, now everybody gets to move on. However, with 333 victories, Belichick is only 14 wins away from equaling Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame coach Don Schuler's record of 434, sorry, 347 wins, 
including the playoffs. And I'm sure New England fans are, you know, reeling and devastating, but if they go back and look at that window of success that they've had, they should be grateful that they've had a glorified cheater as a coach and a former player and quarterback uh, Tom Brady, you know, Deflategate. Don't forget, since people like to whitewash or act like cheating isn't a part of the legacy of the Patriot way. Saints over Atlanta, 48-17 final score. And all that will be remembered on this game (laughs) was that uh, Derek Carr did have four touchdowns. But in forming a victory formation, Jameis Winston passed the the, uh, football to a running back who ran it in for a touchdown. A one-yard run by Jamal Williams that upset former Atlanta Falcons coach Allen as well. And, you know... Jameis Winston was a stand-up guy, post-game interview. He was asking reporters why it made them upset, which I found funny because the reporter couldn't even answer why he was upset at what, and I don't want to say what Jameis Winston did because he said it was a team decision that they would overrule what the coach said in, in regards to this victory formation, and they just added the touchdown. I found it comical. People talk about bad sportsmanship. Shannon Sharp talking about how he would cut Jameis Winston. I don't know why when he said it was clearly a team decision. And that's what they wanted to do. And it was the last game of the season. You know, I know the reporter with Jameis Winston was like, oh, you guys are going to have to play the Falcons twice next year. Are you not worried about there being bad blood or bad feelings? Who cares? Yes, it's never been done before. Yes, it is bad sportsmanship. But it's also comical. It's comedy. It's the last game of the season. Let that man get that one-yard touchdown. Oh, excuse me. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm sorry. So, yeah, the coach, the Saints coach... Allen said that wasn't acceptable, and Falcons coach Arthur Smith, excuse me, was screaming and yelling, cursing, but who cares? He was fired, again, after his third straight 7-10 and season. And then, then, you know, people, the talking heads talking about, oh, well, you know, if you're so upset, stop them from scoring. But that's the point. It was a victory formation in which they scored. So let's cut the nonsense. And sadly for the Saints, there will be no playoffs. And speaking of no playoffs, Tennessee over Jacksonville, 28-20 final score. A game in which I had, let me see who I had picked to win this game. One second. Where are my notes? Let's see who I had went with. There were definitely a lot of 425 games. 
why am I always missing a team here? One second. I had went with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but of course, as usual, they disappointed getting eliminated. <laughs> oh my God, Trevor Lawrence. I look forward to him being a future backup NFL quarterback. Trevor Lawrence went for it on a fourth and excuse me, on a fourth and goal at the one. Trevor Lawrence went for it and the Titans stopped him short. Give me a break. Like Trevor Lawrence, what were they saying? They were saying how the Jaguars were like eight and two, eight and three. And they just, yes, they started eight and three and and finished losing five of six. He's terrible. And he gets injured a lot. Jaguars coach Doug Peterson passed up a field goal on a key fourth and gold, trying to go for a touchdown and a two-point conversion to tie it up. But you can't even get fourth and goal? <laughs> oh, boy. And, of course, again, Mike Vrabel fired by the Tennessee Titans. Obviously, Vrabel, you know, has choices. Derrick Henry, season high, 153 yards and a touchdown. And then he took the mic afterwards to thank all the Tennessee fans for his time there and how they were a great fan base. Gotta love the emotion, but at the end of the day, if you're not performing and you're losing, this is what happens. Seattle over the Arizona Cardinals, 21-20 final score. I had went for Seattle on that. That was great. Packers over the Bears, 17-19 final score. Jordan Love doing the damn thing. Leading the Packers to a playoff spot. In his first season as a starting quarterback, 316 yards linked up with Dante Vion Wicks on a pair of touchdowns. And look at that. The Packers, who were earlier two and five, won seven of their last 10 games, including three straight. That's great because there was definitely a lot of hate showered on Jordan Love. But you just got to let the man play. You got to let him progress. You got to let him get better. So Jordan Love is with the NFL's youngest team in the postseason. He had 18 touchdown passes and only one interception over his last eight games. Cowboys defense better, better be on it. They better be on it. And then again, and you have another beautiful storyline here. You have the Green Bay Packers taking on the Dallas Cowboys with coach Mike McCarthy, former coach of the Packers from 2006 to 2018, <clears throat> who also led them to their last Super Bowl title. 
that's great. That's great. So you got the youth movement here of the Green Bay Packers. And here's what's also key. Green Bay's running back, Aaron Jones, 111 yards on 22 carries for his third straight 100-yard performance. And as for the Bears, they do have the number one pick in the upcoming draft. To keep or move on from Justin Fields is the question. We'll see. We will see. As for Justin Fields on that game, 11 of 16 for 148 yards. Sacked five times. Eight carries for 27 yards. And only nine points. Absolutely terrible. Justin Fields, in my opinion, will make a great NFL backup somewhere out there. <laughs> uh, Kansas City over the Chargers, 13-12 final score. I was going for Kansas City. Raiders over the Denver Broncos, 27-14. I had going for the Raiders on that one. And, you know, the chance of Antonio Pierce... From the fan base and the players, they like him. Raiders ended the season 8-9. and nine. I don't know. Aiden O'Connell, 244 yards and two touchdowns. And Zamir White, 112 yards. It was the Raiders' eighth straight victory over their AFC West rivals and their 10th in 11 games with a perfect 4-0 record in Las Vegas. And Antonio Pierce, since replacing Josh McDaniels on Halloween, they win 5-4, including that devastating Thursday night annihilation of the Chargers. (laughs) Over 60 points, so that was pretty exciting. Give the man a chance, I say. Giants over the Eagles, 27-10. Didn't really see that coming. Had a lot of people questioning if the Eagles had quit on Sirianni, who there are sadly rumors that if the Eagles lose to the Buccaneers, he will be fired, which is really crazy. But the Eagles also did fire Doug Peterson, who led them to their one and only Super Bowl. So anything can happen. And speaking of anything happening, uh, I did pick for the Rams over the Niners as my upset, which they got the 21-20 final score victory. And there was some NFL history in this game as well. And amazingly, there was a Carson... Wentz sighting. I don't know how that flew under the radar for me. Carson Wentz threw one of his two touchdown passes to record-setting Puka Nakua, which he made NFL history. So let's give this young man some props here. Okay, here we go. Nakua caught a 19-yard touchdown pass from Wentz in the first quarter to tie Bill Groman's record of 1,473 yards, 
a record that had stood since 1960. He then broke the mark with a seven-yard catch on the opening drive of the third quarter. And then he caught another six-yard pass to give him 105 catches, one more than the record set by Miami's Jalen Waddell in 2021. That is some amazing stuff. Now, what we have to realize that when Bill Groman set that record in 1960, there were only 14 NFL games at the time. There's now 18. So a record that has literally stood the test of time, right? We would have to consider this the test of time because as of the making of this podcast, it's 2023, and as I, as I pull out my trusty calculator, okay, it really amazes me how even, <laughs> even the freaking calculator app has ads. Sad, you really can't escape these ads. So yeah, a record that had stood for 63 years. That's insane. And again, it was set at a time when there were only 14 games. We now have 18. And we've had amazing quarterbacks, you know, Randy Moss, Justin Jefferson. But here we are. Ooh, bear with me for one second. I'm just looking... To type something in here. Yeah, Puka Nakua, excuse me. Gotta get, don't, don't want that dead air on this podcast episode since it is part freestyle. Okay, so yes, Puka Nakua shattering the NFL rookie season. 105 receptions, 1,486 receiving yards with six touchdowns. Again, setting the NFL record for receptions and yards. He was a fifth-round pick. Pro Bowl, second-team, all-pro, top four in receiving yards. Very, very impressive. Oh, I think I have a play here. Wow. Then, of course, after he set the NFL rookie receiving record, got that hug from his family, from his mom. You know, those are the moments that you love the most. But, of course, you also want to now win a playoff game. And get paid. <laughs> uh, and Dallas Cowboys, speaking of getting paid, Dallas Cowboys over the Washington Commanders 38-10. to Final score. CeeDee Lamb, you already know what it is. He is wide receiver number one. No matter what the haters say. 
And let's see what we got here. Dak Prescott lit the Commanders up for four touchdowns on this game. CeeDee Lamb, 13 catches for 98 yards and two touchdowns. Brandon Cook, six catches, 39 yards and a touchdown. And Jalen Tolbert, two catches for eight yards, but one touchdown. And there you have it. Tony Pollard, 17 carries, 70 yards and a touchdown. Who knows? Will, will the, would the Commanders take Bill Belichick? So the Cowboys did clinch the NFC East title. Number two seed in the conference. But will it equal postseason success? They've got to beat the Packers. Yeah, so I was right. The Cowboys did go 8-0 in Dallas with 16 wins in a row. As for Washington... Last place, Washington, 4-13, 0-6 in the NFC East. Ron Rivera was let go after that loss. Yeah, Ron Rivera's a terrible coach. And they had a losing streak that reached eight games. Including Ron Rivera firing defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio and making himself the play caller on the, on the defensive side of the ball. It's like these coaches do too much. But how about props for Dak Prescott? He said he would have no more than 10 interceptions. He only had nine this season. After leading the NFL with interceptions last season with 15. So 36 touchdowns to nine interceptions. Pretty good. CeeDee Lamb, again, wide receiver number one. NFL high, 135 receptions. Put some respect on the name of CeeDee Lamb. That young man goes out there and gets the job done. Let's see if I have anything else here on CeeDee Lamb. Thought I might have had some pictures. Oh, yes, I do. So, CeeDee Lamb for 2023. 1,749 receiving yards. Again, 135 receptions, 12 touchdowns. Touchdowns, his rank first. Scrimmage yards first. Receptions, touches, targets, all first. Don't worry, CeeDee Lamb. As long as the sports historian is here, we got you for recognizing your greatness. As for Dak Prescott... Amongst quarterbacks, 4,519 passing yards, third, 36 touchdown passes, first, completion percentage, 69.5%, tied for first, with a passer rating, 105.9, second. You got to respect the man that goes out there and gets the job done. And speaking of getting the job done... We had Sunday Night Football, Buffalo Bills taking on the Miami Dolphins. And despite throwing three interceptions, Josh Allen led the Bills to the 21-14 victory over the Miami Dolphins and then celebrated with the fateful Bills Mafia. Boy, did they travel. It was so loud post-game. You would have thought it was a home game. And Josh Allen showed them the love, walking towards the thousands of fans who stayed post-game 
during the interview. And the Bills are, again, AFC East champions for the fourth straight season and number two seed in the AFC playoffs. Yeah, and I believe, what, Josh Allen, two of his three, uh, well, let me make sure he had three interceptions, which I he did because I did see the game. No, excuse me, two interceptions, but they were both in the red zone, which initially seemed pretty devastating. But Josh Allen would not be denied. 15 carries, 67 yards. He definitely did his part to ensure that the Bills would get this win. And as for Tua and them, I don't know. Josh Allen, 359 yards, two touchdown passes. And a team that was 5-5 in mid-November won five straight to close out the season. But yet the social and media manipulation is, oh, can we trust Josh Allen? Uh, I would say yes. I would definitely say yes. Because Tua... 17 to 27, 173 yards, one touchdown with two interceptions as well. But there was also a big time special teams play. Let me find out where this young man is. Hold on here. My apologies. Let me look at the scoring plays here. I cannot stand when they don't have the scoring plays. Yes, the young man. Deontay Hardy, 96-yard punt return. The longest in the history of the Buffalo Bills. That also played a big role in them securing that win. So I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve wins, two, one. Two to two losses. Okay, so I will take it. Uh, again, I'll have to total up all my numbers from week 18 to come back for that. And I gave you the predictions for NFL wildcard weekend, which should most definitely be exciting. So now we're just going to move forward into some MLB action. Uh, it seems that the Yankees made an offer to Blake Snell. Hopefully he will take it. The Yankees also gave Juan Soto a record $31 million in salary for 2024 arbitration deal. Great. And they signed Stroman. Marcus Stroman. <sighs> Two or three year deal. Let me see what we got here. All right, Marcus Stroman, two-year deal with a vesting option for a third. All right, reading along the lines of like $38 million. 
we'll see how it plays out. I'm more interested in hoping that Blake Snell takes the offer that the Yankees made him. I know on social media people saying that Marcus Stroman is an immature head case. Let's see what happens. Right now there's, to me, I'm still reeling from the disappointment of the Yankees season (laughs) where a team with nearly $300 million in payroll had to battle to end the season over 500. So uh, when you suffer something so disappointing as that, I'm not going to sit here and act like, oh yeah, Yankees going to get to and win the World Series. No, 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 no. Not when I'm reading how the Dodgers have spent over a billion (laughs) dollars in money. Well, actually $1.20 billion. And the Yankees are finally spending money being a billion dollar organization. (laughs) There's too much disappointment. I can only just go in with a positive attitude, but... And Oh, and pray that the Yankees don't suffer a lot of injuries. Yeah, let's not forget that part. So, my in-closing will be on the Lakers. Continuing to disappoint, last night they had lost to Phoenix 127-109 final score. And I believe I had said in my previous podcast episode that 109 is the Lakers' magic number. They can't seem to get out of the 109. They can't seem to score. I'm reading that Darvin Ham doesn't have to be worried about his job. Great. Bradley Beal, 37 points. Devin Booker, 31. The Suns are 20 and 18. The Lakers are 19 and 20. When I checked the box score, I think LeBron had only 10 points, I believe. Yep, 10 points. Lakers got a... They got good numbers off the bench. D'Lo with 19. Mays with 12. Max Christie with 14. Cam Reddish, 0. Anthony Davis, 13. Torian Prince, 11. Austin Reeves, 13. I don't know. I get tired of beating a dead horse. The Lakers have to do better. And if the Lakers are saying that Darvin Ham's job security is safe, there's really nothing for me to say at this point. I'll just see how the season plays out. And speaking of playing out, the NBA draft will now become a two-night event. Clearly, this is a money move. The NBA has always been one night, but I guess they want to emulate the NFL and make it two nights. I'm not interested. I'm not interested at all. And let's see, Friday night. What do we have? Nationwide sports leader, Kings at Sixers. And then... Saints, sorry, Pelicans at Nuggets. Everybody's crying about how the Warriors are falling apart. Saturday, the Lakers will be at Utah. Let's see how that goes. 
Will the Lakers get Zach Levine? Who knows? Who cares? All I know is that the Clippers are doing their thing. And if I check the standings, it's going to show me that the West belongs to the Timberwolves, OKC, the Nuggets, Clippers, and Kings. Oh, and there was a beautiful blowout loss, too. I believe a 63-point blowout win. Let's Yeah, OKC over Portland, 139-77 to final score. Again, that would definitely be considered more comedy. 62 points. Well, at least on the plus side, Damian Lillard is out here on the East Coast with Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks. And speaking of being on, I'm going to get on out of here. Thank you, sports fans, very much, nation and worldwide, for tuning in. You know the handles, TikTok, Sports Opinion Log, Instagram, sports.opinion.log. And on YouTube at Sports Opinion Log. Until next time, Lex Anderson, signing out.